We've certainly heard some incredible stories over the years on this show. Travelers that have got on their motorcycles and ridden off to far off places, exotic lands, had incredible adventures, spent years riding their motorcycle around the world. And while we're inspired by those stories, and and many of us dream of these places when we close our eyes at night, it simply isn't the reality for many riders who have families or jobs or other commitments or other reasons that they can't or don't want to just drop everything and travel for months or years on end on their motorcycle. So that means that for the average motorcyclist, adventure usually happens closer to home. So today, we're talking about rides closer to home with time slots that the average rider can find or at least be able to fit into. We're going to talk about the logistics behind those trips, how to find and select routes, a lot of great tips in here. So today's episode is dedicated to the average rider. My name is Jim Martin. This is Adventure Rider Radio. Stay with us. We got a good one for you. I'm Sam Manikin. Ted Simon. Austin Vance. Simon Pavey. Bill Bragoo. Helga Pettis. Jocelyn Snow. Charlie Borman. Simon Thomas. Lisa Thomas. Grant Johnson. Jimmy Lewis. Sean Thomas. And this is Adventure Rider Radio. It's wind pressure that powers the MotoBreeze chain oiler. No electrical or vacuum connections. It delivers the oil to a felt pad on your swing arm. No nozzles near your sprockets. One ounce of oil gets 1,000 miles or 1,600 kilometers. Get more miles from your chain and sprockets. MotoBreeze.com. And Green Chili Adventure Gear offers American-made, heavy-duty luggage systems for all types of motorcycles. You can turn any dry bag into luggage using their strapping system. And, of course, Green Chili Adventure Gear is tested in extreme weather and terrain to withstand the abuse that adventure riding gives it. Tough, reliable gear. GreenChiliADV.com. Best Rest Product is the maker of the Cycle Pump, the best tire inflator for motorcyclists. It'll inflate your flat tire in less than three minutes. Made in the USA, comes with a lifetime warranty. They also distribute Google Tech filters. CyclePump.com. Say that oh, as far as uh, it's got an external mic right now. Okay, you got it there. As long as I can remember as a kid, uh, you know, there's always motorcycles around. You know, starting out on just the old mini bikes, you know, the solid frame with a Briggs and Stratton engine in it, and then uh, my first new bike was I got a Hodaka 100 Super Rat which at the time was kind of a desert racing bike and um, with that too I did a little bit of desert racing Um, at the time I was living in Southern California and so um, I raced um, Barstow to Vegas, Baker to Vegas which were a couple of big races Um, after that I, uh, I had a Honda 350 that was my transportation all through high school then uh Got a Honda 500, which was my transportation in college and and for work and that. Um, and then uh, I, like with a lot of my friends and stuff, you know, got married, started having kids, and, and the bikes kind of went away for a while. And then um, here about, oh, about eight, nine years ago, my son sent me the link to the Idaho BDR. Uh, so I watched the video on that, and uh, again, all my friends, we all kind of had the same story. I, I I called them all and said, hey, we need to get bikes again and start riding this adventure riding stuff. And four of us all went out and bought KLR 650s and, uh, 
And then since then, it's just been uh, good to get back into bikes again. Uh, this is Tim Randall, and I am from Boise, Idaho. I am a retired police officer. I did 31 years as a police officer, and uh, now I, I work as a consultant for a police and fire training company, so I now I train cops. Tim, welcome to Adventure Rider Radio. Well, great to be here. You've been riding a, a motorcycle, as, as well as being a police officer, you've been riding a motorcycle for a number of years. I think you actually worked as a motorcycle cop, didn't you, at one point? I, I did. As part of my career uh, as a police officer, yeah, I was a, a motor cop for a while, which was a great experience. So, Tim, how do you define adventure as far as motorcycling goes? You know, for me, adventure is just getting out and doing things that, you know, are outside maybe your comfort zone or just getting out and exploring. There's just so much to see out there. And even just locally, I mean, you know, I've, I've lived in Idaho here for um, over 30 years and there's just so much that I just haven't seen. And, um, and with the bikes, it just makes an opportunity to go see a lot more things that you wouldn't otherwise see. And that bike just gives you the opportunity to look for those places and just go um, and just get away. You know, ever since I've been a kid, I've just been an adventure, just always looking for something to do, somewhere to go, something to see, um, and uh, just always looking for that that next adventure. You mentioned to me a while ago that you're also a, a bicycle rider, so street and mountain biking, yeah. and you said the latest thing is bike packing. Wasn't bike packing always around? Well, it's just kind of, it's, it's kind of become a thing, uh, here in the last few years. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, uh, when I was a kid, we used to just load a sleeping bag and a can of chili, you know, on our bike and take off and, uh, go spend the night somewhere. And, but, uh, lately that it's become kind of a genre of writing and, uh, there's equipment and, and things out there available, you know, and it's basically backpacking with a mountain bike. And, um, and so uh, a lot more people are getting into it and, and routes and places to go and, and things like that. It's kind of like adventure motorcycling, isn't it? I mean, same thing. There's been a lot of people who have put packs on their bikes. I mean, I've done it when I was younger, but nobody ever called it adventure motorcycling. You put your pack on and right. you head off and you go camping. Yet yep. now we have the a whole industry and, and it's adventure motorcycling. And that's what you originally messaged me about. And you called it the, the average rider. Can you talk about that? Yeah, you know, I mean, like I say, I've been a, a longtime listener of Adventure Rider Radio, and man, it, and it's just great to, you know, listen to people like you know Charlie Borman or uh, Ted Simon and, and their adventures. And of course, we all all were inspired by, um, you know, Long Way Round. But most of us, you know, we have jobs, we have families, we have mortgages, and and that's not a reality for us to do. And uh, you know, obviously, we can live vicariously through these other people, but. Um, what I was looking at is, you know, how does, you know, the regular guy like us, you know, fit adventure cycling, uh, into our lives. And my friends and I have, that, that I ride with, we have, uh, you know, we've done a really good job of finding ways to do that, to, um, you know, find those, the times to do it, the places to go, how to afford it, um, and those kind of things. 
Well, it, the, the terminology is interesting and it has sort of evolved. And, and the way that I see it now is that uh, adventure motorcycling is um, where you're out sort of pushing the limits of your motorcycle and your riding skills. And you're probably on, on much shorter periods of time, maybe a weekend, maybe a week, maybe a month, whatever. Whereas uh, adventure motorcycle travel is something almost completely different where you're going to other countries, you're packed for long distance riding and, and where it really diverges one from the other, I think, is in how you ride, the, the style of riding and the amount of risk or the level of risk that you're willing to take. So as an adventure motorcyclist heading out for the weekend and heading back afterwards or for a couple of weeks or a month, if you're somewhere near home in particular, but if you have that in mind where you're going to push your limits, you're going to push the bike, that's what the trip is about. But if you're on a big trip, you, a lot of times you can't afford to do that. Most people won't do that because they can't afford the breakdown. They, they can't afford, and I, I don't mean necessarily money-wise, but they, they can't afford the inconvenience or how to deal with it when you're in another country in a strange place in somebody else's land. Maybe you've got a certain time on your visa, et cetera. Right. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It becomes very limiting. And also, like you say, if you do have a breakdown or you have a problem getting help uh, or getting somewhere, it becomes a whole different uh, situation. Now, obviously, listening to a lot of these ones that ride like that, that becomes part of the adventure, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, and even with us on our shorter rides, um, breakdowns and things like that, it just becomes, again, part of the adventure. And they do mix because there's a lot of people who ride great distances, who go to other countries, who will go out and ride some tough stuff. But but I do see the the difference between the two there. And I think the thing is, is most of us do exactly what you're talking about. Most of us look at these people who are doing these great trips and think, that's really neat. I love the idea of it, um, but that's not what I'm doing. It's more of what, what you're doing with your friends. Yeah. So with you, how, how do you end up, uh, how do you plan a trip with your friends as far as an adventure motorcycle trip? So, you know, one of the things is, is looking at, you know, first of all, where we're going to go and, and the routes. And there's lots of ways that we pick routes. First, we look at time frame as far as, um, you know, how much time do we have and to do it and which, which limits us. But we are constantly throwing out ideas as far as, Hey, how about we go to this place? How about we go here? So we've got lists and lists of rides to do. Um, but you know, one of the things that we do is we look at places we've been before, say in a car or whatever. And then we look, let's do it on a motorcycle now because we find that doing it on a motorcycle, it becomes a completely different experience as doing it in a car. Um, but one of the things we do is, is finding rides is we look at, um, you know, points of interest, places we want to go, um, things we want to see, you know, oftentimes we'll, in Idaho here, we have lots of uh, gold mining towns, mining towns or uh, hot springs. And so we'll incorporate those kind of things into, um, our rides, you know, we'll go to this town or we'll go to this hot springs and spend the night. And then, my friends and I, we're a little old school. And so we're very comfortable with maps. And so we will sit and just scour maps, looking for routes and places to go and things like that. <clears throat> you know, we look for, uh, you know, the mountain, uh, the roads, uh, the back roads, uh, anything that is scenic, you know, marked as a scenic route. Um, a couple of my favorite routes to find are roads that follow rivers are typically just great rides. Also to where we live in a, a very mountainous area here in Idaho, 
um, if you have a major highway that goes through the mountains or over the mountains, before that highway existed, there was a two-lane road that found its way up and over those mountains. And if you can find those two-lane roads, um, they just make for just just really great riding. Oh, I, I like this. I want to jump back first to the, the roads that follow rivers. Now, why, talk about that. Why, why is that a good road? Well, just because they're usually windy. Um, and, uh, uh, and then typically just following along rivers, they're just very scenic mm-hmm. as far as the river and the scenery and, and things like that. Um, we just find that they, they're just really interesting rides. Yeah, that's, that's a great tip. And the other one as well is, is looking for that old highway to ride because for the same reasons, isn't it? I mean, it's usually back and forth, up and down, much slower speeds and generally more scenic than the highway that they've been putting in afterwards. Um, what, yeah. what, what other sort of things do you look for? So, you know, we, we're, we're fortunate here on, in the West, we have the, you know, the BDR system. And so I guess for those that don't know, it's the, the back roads discovery routes. It's a, system of trails that the states have that usually intersect the state either from east to west or north to south and all of those are mapped out you can get gps coordinates you can watch videos on it things like that but that system's also expanding i know there's um i know there's one that they call the mid-atlantic there's one called the northeast uh, bdr but then there's also other just back roads routes that other places have the one that we're going to do this next year now that the the borders are open again to Canada as we're going to go up to Vancouver Island. And they have one up there called the um, uh, Vancouver Island Grand Loop. And the way we find these rides is you just go online and uh, you can Google, you know, adventure rides in your area. Um, another thing is just go on YouTube and Google into, and put into YouTube, you know, where you want to ride. And there'll be all kinds of videos of, of, people that do rides and and their routes and things like that. Um, Another thing I do, and I don't know if this is cheating or not, but um, I look at the tour companies, the motorcycle tour companies in certain areas. And I look at the routes that they're doing. And typically they'll have, you know, two, three, four, seven day routes, whatever. And, um, and they'll have those routes and they'll show you those routes. And usually they're typically um, really uh, good routes. Um, and then other than that, again, we just, we scour maps. There's also lots of apps and things like that. One that, uh, we use quite regularly is, is called gravel maps, uh, gravelmap.com, which is just some maps of all the gravel roads and, and for motorcyclists and stuff. And, um, so yeah, you just kind of scour the internet and, and, uh, maps and things like that, looking for, you know, possible rides. What, what style of riding is this that you're looking for? Is Are you looking for roads or off-road or mix? We're a mix. I, I would say that our group, we ride uh, about uh, probably 80% dirt and 20% pavement. And typically the pavement is to get down to another dirt road. Um, we are, and we're not, um, uh, we're not single track riders or dirt riders. Um, we're riding, you know, just the back roads, forest service roads. Um, things like that. <clears throat> At what level of difficulty? Um, I, you know, we're older and, you know, our dirt bike days are kind of way behind us. And so <laughs> I, I would say, you know, um, uh, we're riding at a, you know, a moderate difficulty level. We're not like, say, we're not going to be doing off trail or single track or things like that. 
Um, but pretty much staying on established dirt roads uh, when we're riding. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things with planning that sort of adventure is that the unpredictable parts, you know, as you're looking through a map and you find some road that goes over, maybe an old logging road or something that connects only to get, to get up there and find out it's really bad. You have a problem or maybe a bridge is out or something like that. How, how do you work that into your, your timeline when you're figuring out, you know, this three or four day trip in particular when you're, you're going out to another country? Well, one of the things that we do is we factor in those kind of things that if we're doing a point to point type ride is that we make distances to our next location that are very comfortable and doable. And the reason we do that is just for that reason that if you run into a problem, as far as like say a bridge out, a breakdown or whatever, you can, you still have time to regroup and still make it to that next destination. But also too, it just also gives us the flexibility to explore. If we see a sign for a scenic route or a waterfall or something, we'll take the time to, you know, ride down and, and check those things out. Now, if we do make it to our destination and we get there early, we set up camp or check into our motel, whatever we're doing. And, and then we go out and explore. We just explore the town. We'll go out and explore the area. Um, uh, and so again, we kind of factor in uh, that, ability to have the flexibility for that type of stuff. Oh, I see. That, that's a good way to do it because then you're not trying to push Cause sometimes what you do is you, you say, well, we're, it's noon and we've already got to our destination. Maybe we should just push on to the next one sort of thing, you know, but you're not doing that. You're stopping and saying, no, no, this is our destination for the night and, and explore from here. Yeah. And there's, and you'll find there's just lots and lots to explore right where you're staying. Um, uh, we were up in um, Southeast Oregon uh, we made it to our uh, uh, destination quite early um, and we were checking in the motel and they just happened to that stand of pamphlets and things that have a things to do. There was a map of, of adventure rides and we got that thing out and we looked at it and we went out and explored a couple of them and which turned out to be just a really great experience. We ended up in this little old gold mining town. We, we met the mayor of the town who kind of gave us a tour of the town and, and the old jail and, it was just, it was just an awesome time. And again, just because we just have the flexibility to just go out and explore. Mm-hmm. Is this always with the same people or, or how do you find people for this? So I've got, yeah, I've got one main group that I ride with. This is a group of guys that we have known each other for 40 some years. Several of the guys have known each other since high school. And just over the years, we've just done everything together, whether it's softball to mountain biking to backpacking, um, those kind of things. And then again, we just all kind of transition to doing more adventure riding. But then I've got other groups I ride with. I've got another group uh, of friends from work that do it. So I ride with them sometimes. And then I've also, I also ride a, a, a KLX 250, a, a dirt bike. And so I've got another group that, that I ride with them. So, um, you know, and that's kind of the thing about if you're getting into adventure biking is finding those riding partners and things like that. And I've been fortunate as far as a lot of these have just been friends, but um, one of the things you can do, you know, if you're looking for these groups or people to ride with is social media is a, is a great way to, to do that. Um, To look at the blog sites, look at the the group ride sites, for instance, on Facebook Uh, here in Boise, we have uh, on, we have several Facebook groups. Um, We've got the Idaho uh, adventure motorcycle riders. We've got the Idaho, dual sport riders. We even got one. It's the Boise old guys. 
um, dual sport riders. Uh, there's another group that's just KLR 650 riders. And if you can get into these, these uh, Facebook groups that, you know, there'll be group rides that you can jump in on or lots of times they just do pop-up rides. Somebody will just jump on and say, Hey, I'm going to ride to Moore's mountain loop or whatever uh, on Saturday, meet at this gas station and you meet and you ride. And, and through that, you'll meet people that you connect with and kind of form your own kind of riding groups or partners from that. Yeah, because part of the difficulty of doing something like that is uh, expectations, objectives for the ride. So if you get there and you find out that you're a hardcore, you know, off-road rider or you want to really push your adventure, large adventure bike, whereas the rest of the riders don't, or vice versa, which is I think probably even worse, is getting there and finding out that you've got somebody who's really gung-ho and they're going to do incredible things with their machine and you're supposed to follow along and you get caught up in that. Right. How do you deal with that? You know, if if you look at these groups, you can kind of get a feel for what type of riding they're doing. For instance, this group, Idaho Dual Sport Riders, you're going to look at their posts and things like that and see they're more into the into the dirt bike side. You know, when you when you talk about adventure cycling, there's kind of a range, I, I think. There's those that are on one end of the range that are more of the, the off-road, dirt bike, single track riders. And then you got to the other end of the extreme as far as more of the touring cyclists and the bigger bikes. And then, and then me, I kind of find myself kind of in the, in the middle there. And so, so you can kind of get a feel for these groups and, you know, the type of riding they're doing or things, or also too, if they put out, you know, that they're going to do this ride, you can research that ride to see exactly if it's the kind of ride you want to do. How do you research it? A lot of it's just online. Uh, you know, you can, Google the rides. There's just online. There's just so much information uh, about all these different rides and, and that, that you can just Google it and oftentimes pull up, you know, an actual web page for it, or also other people that have ridden it, or like you say, go to YouTube. And oftentimes you can find that ride on YouTube and somebody has, has ridden it and, and actually watch it and see, you know, the difficulty level or the type of ride that it is. Does it ever strike you that you're sort of doing away with your, the adventure part of it by doing that, by, by researching it and finding out what it looks like before you get there? No, uh, at my age, no, I don't want to get myself into something that I <laughs> shouldn't be into. And right. so, um, uh, I, and I do that too often with all of my sports. I, uh, I, I just do things I shouldn't be doing and, and, uh, and sometimes it doesn't end well. We're going to take just a short break so I can tell you about a couple of things, but stick around because when we come back, we've got a lot more to talk about. Stay with us. You already know what cold feet feel like, and you probably also know that once they're cold, they're almost impossible to get warm again. But what you may not know is that Pearly's Possum Socks are the cure for cold feet. Pearly's uses a special blend of merino wool and possum fur knitted together into a fine shape that's designed specifically for motorcycling. They are the official sock of Adventure Rider Radio, not because of the ads. I made them the official sock because I was so blown away by how good they are, how well they perform for me. So I gave them that title. Grab a pair for yourself and stave off those cold feet. Pearly'sPossumSocks.com is the website. Anytime you're dealing with them, throw in there that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. Pearly'sPossumSocks.com. Well, I've got something new to tell you about. 
It's called Moto Camp Nerd. Moto Camp Nerd. It's a motorcycle camping store. Actually, they call it the motorcycle camping store because they say it's the only one of its kind. And, and I've looked around. I haven't seen anything like this before either. I, I really like this. Moto Camp Nerd is the brainchild of Ben and Mary Williams from Trinity, North Carolina. And what they've done is they've made a store that focuses 100% on motorcycle camping gear. That's it. That's what they do. Uh, they stock the gear as well. They don't drop ship it. it it's, it's right from their store. And um, they stock quality gear. In fact, they're authorized dealers for brands like Nemo, Big Agnes, and Sea to Summit. Ben and Mary, the owners, are also motorcycle campers. So when you're dealing with Moto Camp Nerd, you're dealing with riders that care very much about what they're doing. Husband and wife team, much like Elizabeth and myself here. And you know, this could solve a lot of dilemmas for riders when trying to decide on gear. I mean, we hear questions like this all the time. Which tent is best suited for motorcycle camping? Which one's the best to pack? Well, go by their website. It's called motocampnerd.com. You're going to find gear that only suits motorcycle camping. So they've looked at it. They've thought about it. They didn't just stock stuff. They've actually thought about this stuff and checked it out. Probably tried everything, I would imagine, and found stuff that works best for us riders. And Ben and Mary are also there to answer your questions. So if you have any questions about, you know, what you should be getting or maybe the difference between whatever, shoot them an email, send them a message, and they say they're happy to deal with that. Motocampnerd.com is the website. Anytime you're dealing with them, throw in there that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. Motocampnerd.com. If you're serious about riding, then you have to have serious foot pegs because foot pegs are your connection to control your bike. Tools for serious riders. IMS Products has a full set of adventure motorcycle foot pegs ranging from their extra large, ultra wide ADV1 and ADV2 pegs on down to their core series. Each peg is designed specifically for a purpose. Drop by their website, imsproducts.com, and let them know you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. And then get the added leverage, comfort, and control through the IMS foot pegs. It'll take your skill to the next level. imsproducts.com. So, so as far as gear goes, what what are you doing differently that, because um, I think with a lot of people, when they think of adventure motorcycling, again, back to what we were talking about at the start, they're looking at the multi-day, multi-country adventurers, looking at their setup and seeing what they've got. What's different about what you ride with and the way you and your friends ride as far as gear goes compared to those multi-country and maybe possibly multi-year riders? Right. And, that, and then again, that's what you got to do a little research if you're getting into it finding out what you want to do and, and then the kind of gear that you need. What do you, what do you mean find out what you want to do? As far as the type of riding, again, more of the, the more longer extended rides or the two, three day rides. Again, you just, um, and, and then also too, there's, um, you know, looking at, you know, people doing rides where you take, you have a support vehicle that hauls your gear for you, which kind of change things for you. Um, you know, as far as, again, the type of gear that you need, how much gear or how minimal you should go, depending on, you know, what you're doing. Um, my friends and I, we went out and bought our bikes. We all bought used bikes. And and what, what was interesting about that, we all got the gear that went along with that bike too. So, um, what you know, panniers or bags or things like that. And then we've kind of over the years and just doing that have learned okay we like this we don't like that you know or we don't like the hard boxes i like the soft box the soft bags um you know things like that as far as just adjusting your bike to what the type of thing you're doing and the type of gear that that you have um the other thing that as far as you know being able to get out on these rides and making them 
uh, easy to do and, and quick to do is all of my, I've been able to, you know, develop my gear over the years to where I have all of my gear and bags on the shelf. And when I pack my bag, it's packed exactly the same every time. So, I mean, my buddy can call me up and say, hey, you want to head out this afternoon to do an overnighter up on, you know, Moores Creek, whatever. I can grab all that stuff off the shelf and my bag, my bike will be packed uh, in an hour. And the only thing I really need to go out and collect is some clothing and food. And so, um, you know, I, a lot of people in, that I know that do a lot of big rides and stuff, I think they just take too much gear and then they over plan and, and putting all this stuff together. The ability for us to get out and do a lot of things a lot is the, the ability that the fact that we're able to just quickly throw our stuff together and go doesn't take a lot of effort or planning to do that. That also frees you up rather than worrying about every single detail. What you're worrying more about is the plans, uh, that particular trip rather than starting from ground zero again. Okay. Now I've got to pack. What have I got to take, et cetera. I'm, I'm always uh, myself. I'm a fan of checklists. Even if you do it a lot, we used to run checklists in the tourism business because even though we did it, for a living, you still had to go through checklists to make sure that you've, you've got all the gear that you need, uh, and in particular with this, because it was wilderness travel. But w- with what you're talking about, when you come back from a trip, then what you're doing is you're going through your bags and you're prepping it for the next trip before you put that on the shelf. It's the only way to do it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Everything. Yeah. It gets clean. It's washed, goes back in the, the bags that they came in and go right back on the shelf, um, for the next trip. And, uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's ready to go. So you're not running around trying to collect gear and get this and that. And it's just, it's quick and easy for us to do. Well, you, you said there that one of the things you think is that people overpack, they, they're taking too much stuff, which is a common theme we hear a lot with all types of motorcycle travel. In fact, any sort of travel, I think runs into overpacking. How do you avoid overpacking and what are you packing? So I'm big, I'm like you, big with the checklist. I got a checklist for every kind of sport that I do. But what I do is I come back from a trip and then I look at my gear and I evaluate what did I use? What didn't I use? You know, what can I do without next time? What do I want for next time? So we're constantly, again, over the years, constantly refining um, that gear um, to what, you know, we actually need. Right. And, and the thing is, there's some things that you're not going to use, but you're still going to pack for the next one. For instance, if you don't get a flat tire, you're still going to take your, your tire repair kit. You're not going to throw that out. First aid kit, those type of things. Those aren't the things that you're, that you're slimming down on. Right. You know, and uh, that's not, no, there's that basic gear that you're going to have every time. As far as my sleep system and, and those kind of things, it's all the same basic gear. Uh, a lot of times what you're looking at for me is, you know, how long are we going to be gone? What type of food are we going to be eating? What type of cooking gear will I need? And, and kind of refining that, you know, uh, those kind of things. And a lot of the excitement, uh, you know, for doing anything, or part of the excitement, I should say, is the prep work. Yeah, and that's, uh, you know, with, with my friends and I, we just sit around all the time just talking about trips that we want to do. And typically our, how we handle it is somebody comes up with an idea they're, they're in charge of that trip of planning it and putting it together and, and putting it on the list. And again, we just have lists of trips and places we want to go that just throughout, you know, time, we just slowly keep knocking another one off. But unfortunately the the list grows faster than we can knock them off. So, um, but I think that's a lot of about adventuring 
is not just a trip, but also thinking about it and planning about it. Um, I've got a, a bicycle trip that uh, I'm planning to ride from coast to coast. Um, I've already done, uh, ridden my bicycle from Canada to Mexico. Um, and now my next goal is to ride from coast to coast. Now, will I ever do it? I don't know. I may or I may not, but I'm constantly thinking about it. I'm planning it. You know, I'm reading about it and, and just the excitement of thinking about it and, and doing all that is, is a lot of the fun uh, of the trip. Mm-hmm. As far as traveling with a group, you're talking about you're, you're with friends that you travel with a lot for a lot of these trips, but there's, yeah. there's times when you're not with people that you, you know, so well. So particularly for, for other people as well, if they're not riding with someone who they've spent their life doing different activities with, how do you handle the group travel? So in other words, you're on your, everybody's on their own bike, moving along at their own pace. There's issues that arise with, you know, somebody dropping off in the route, somebody having a problem. How, how do you handle that, that movement aspect of it? Yeah, you know, there's always the yeah the drama that's involved with those kind of things, and and I think one of the things is as as a group we kind of sit down and make kind of ground rules as far as things that we're you know we're going to do we're not going to do. Um, one of the things when we ride is we never leave somebody behind. If uh, you know if somebody is having an issue, we just did a ride last week where uh, one of the guys wasn't feeling good and was going to pull off of the ride. Well, we're not going to let him leave by himself. So we just, we changed the ride and we rode back with him and we stayed together. And, um, and I think that's also the importance of finding those riding partners that, you know, fit your dynamics and, uh, your skill level, your morals, you know, all those kind of things so that you can hopefully try to eliminate those things or also have the ability to work through them when they do occur. How about the technical aspects of the group? Are are you using comms? Is there a leader? Is there a method for when somebody has to stop for something or somebody has a flat tire, how you handle that and how you signal everyone else? Yeah, that's, yeah. One of the the best things that's kind of, that's come around, I mean, lately is is the comm system is that we're able to talk to each other. So um, we usually, we stay together both, you know, calmed up, but also visually too. We don't, we don't, get separated um, visually uh, from one another. If one gets too far ahead, they will pull off and let the group catch back up. But um, yeah, the, the comm system has been really a, a great um, uh, benefit or addition to the dynamics of that ride. Because also too, you're, you're talking, you're saying, hey, let's, let's do this. What about this? Or I'm having this issue. And it's not a big surprise to anybody. What comms are you using? Uh, we are all using, I got it right here. What is that? Let's see. Uh, FOD sports, um, M one S pro is the one that we, we all went and got, we found we had different ones and they wouldn't always work together. So we kind of all went out and bought the exact same one to make sure that they would, they would calm up well and work well. Mm, yeah, that's important because it's getting better now. They're, they're certainly getting better now for connecting from one manufacturer to the other, but um, that can be a problem. And unless somebody knows how to connect to another uh, different make or model of device, then that can be a, a real sort of um, a problem when you show up and you think you're going to use your comms and then you're not, uh, you're not able to connect them up together. So certainly that is a good method to go with, but one, I guess one way to do it would be to know, at least have your instructions with you, with your comms 
you know, to understand how they work. Yeah. Yeah, we do. We do. We each have these laminated sheets and we stop and we kind of go through the checklist of walking through, of getting calmed up. And, and the more people you add, the more it adds to problems. But, um, again, we just, we have a little laminated card that we just all go through the checklist and we eventually, you know, get them working. As far as gear goes, are you sharing gear or is everyone independent? We have found that as far as being able to get out and make rides, you know, quick and easy is that we're independent as far as gear, uh, both gear and also as far as with food that we're each responsible for our own food. Um, we found that on these bigger rides that, you know, if you plan a, a group meal together, well now, you know, you're like I said, I've got a friend that he does, you know, these major rides every year. They're typically to another country or, and so there's a lot of planning. They go out and buy a lot of groceries and, and, uh, it just takes a lot of effort. And so with us being independent, again, we just throw our stuff together and we go. And then as far as like food is usually the, the one big one, as far as whether you do it together or separately, when we're on our rides, we look at our ride and think, okay, we're going to be passing through this town or this town. We'll, and we'll plan to eat out certain meals or to limit the amount of food that we have to take with us. If we're passing through a certain town before our next camp and there's a grocery store, we'll stop in and buy the food that we're going to make for that night. Um, but yeah, the, again, the, the, we found that for us, uh, the way to make it, you know, logistically, uh, simple is just that everybody's responsible for their own food and their own gear. So, so how about, um, as far as the motorcycle you ride, you mentioned you started it with KLRs, but, um, how do you figure out what bike is suitable for you? Well, you know, first of all, you want to look at what type of riding do you like? Again, there's those on one end that tend to be more of the dirt bike rider, the single track and that. And so you're going to be looking at, you know, some of the smaller bikes, you know, the, the KTM 300 series or the, the Honda CR, or the Suzuki DRZs kind of things. Um, and then again, on the other end, you know, looking at more of the touring type, you know, of course you're looking at the bigger bikes like the, you know, like the GS 1250 or maybe the KTM 1290. Myself, I find myself kind of in the middle of that um, where I still like to ride a lot of dirt, but I'm not doing single track. And, you know, like I say, we all went out and bought our first bikes were KLR 650s. And one of the main reasons that when we started looking for bikes, that there are lots and lots of KLR 650s out there and that they're also very affordable. In the used get. market. Yes. Yeah. And, um, and so uh, it, it was just a great bike. I mean, a KLR, like you say, is a, is a good bike. It does everything good, but you know, uh, other bikes can do things a little bit better. So it was a great bike to start with. Um, we have kind of slowly started to get more over to the touring side. And so we went with, uh, so upgraded to a little bit bigger bikes. Uh, a couple of us are on uh, Honda Africa Twins. There's a couple on Yamaha Tenere's. Um, but um, again, that KLR is just just such a great starter bike because it does so much. And uh, and 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 probably the the biggest thing about KLR is just so affordable. Are you know they just came out with the new uh, KLR 650, and and I've read a lot of the reviews on it, and a lot of people were kind of critical about things they should have done. But I think one of the best things that Kawasaki did was 
they made a bike, an adventure bike, a good adventure bike that you can still get into for under $7,000. So that would be the big thing is if you're looking, you know, as far as your bike, as far as what kind of riding you want to do, what can you afford? And, and then what's also out there available. Any other tips you have for adventure riders? Um, you know, like you say, just figure out what you want to do. I was, we were riding this last winter, we were riding in uh, Death Valley and uh, we were at a camp and we had our camp set up and again, all individual. And there was a camp next to us of motorcycle riders and they had a, um, they had a sport vehicle that came up and set up a whole kitchen and, and, and food like that. And again, if you're into that kind of thing, there's a lot more logistics and planning when you have that type of ride, as opposed to you throw your gear on your bike and you get together with your buddies and, uh, and, and you just go, um, you know, and then another thing is we, as far as when we travel, we'll look at a couple of different ways that we'll do it. One we'll do again, a point to point, um, and we'll set up a, a campsite or a motel or now the, the thing we're using a lot is the Airbnbs are, uh, pretty uh, prevalent and uh, and work out well as far as places go. But another thing we've started doing is what we call a base camp ride. We go somewhere, we set up a base camp, and then we spend the next few days, you know, doing day rides from that base camp. Um, and we're finding that working out quite well for us. And then, you know, navigation is another thing you'd want to look into as far as, you know, what's going to work for you. Um, all the guys that, uh, I ride with were older and, um, we were very comfortable with paper maps, but we do have some GPS, but we very rarely use it. We, uh, there's lots and lots of, um, navigation apps for your phone that we're using that we're finding very, uh, useful and successful on our trips. Oh, there's, there's one called, uh, Gaia maps. I use one called maps me. Another guy uses one called Onyx off road. Uh, but you can just go to your apps, you know, on your phone and just see all kinds of navigation apps that work quite well. So, um, yeah. And, and so again, I guess my basic advice is to be able to get out and do more is, is it's the logistical end of it. Make them simple, make them easy and, and get out and do a lot of, we do a lot of day rides. We'll pick a, a restaurant we might go to up in the mountains or again, uh, overnight rides. If you're always planning the big, big ride. You spend a lot more time planning it, you know, saving for it, putting it together. And so, um, we go for lots and lots of the, and, and we typically get in, um, you know, a couple of rides a month. And, uh, uh, even during the winter, if it's above freezing and the roads are dry, we'll, we'll bundle up and, and we'll get out and, uh, and, and do rides even during the winter. So, um, we never really pack our bikes up for the winter and, and just stay on them all the time. Do you think you're ever going to run out of places in the, in the three to four day range from where you are? Oh no, absolutely not. I mean, like I say, there's, there's stuff around me that there's just so much that, you know, if you really start looking that, uh, that I, I don't need to go to other countries. I don't need to uh, drive great distance. There's just so much to see in your own area that if you just look, um, yeah, we'll never run out of places to go. And there's, and then again, there's just a lot of places that are just such fun rides that we do them again. (laughs) Tim, that's great. Thank you very much. 
Well, thanks, uh, Jim. Like I say, I've, I've been a long time listener. I appreciate what you're doing. Um, it's, it's just been a pleasure having Adventure Rider Radio. That was Tim Randall from his home in Boise, Idaho. And we've got some photos that Tim gave us of himself and the rides that he's doing in the show notes for this episode on our website at adventureriderradio.com. I just want to remind you that this episode has been brought to you by Green Chili Adventure Gear, greenchiliadv.com, Motobreeze Chain Oiler at motobreeze.com, and Best Rest Products at cyclepump.com. And we'd really appreciate it if anytime you're dealing with these companies, anytime, email or otherwise, let them know you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. wraps up another episode of Adventure Rider Radio and we sure hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we did making it. Special thanks to our producer Elizabeth Martin and of course to you the listener thank you very much for being a part of this and listening to the show and hey if you're not doing it already this show was built on a model of advertising and listener support. We need your support. Please don't sit back and expect everybody else to do it because quite frankly everyone doesn't do it. There are a huge huge number of people that listen to this show every single week, every day in fact and a very very small percentage of them actually support the show. So anything $10 or more gets you a sticker sent back at you for your pannier, your, your toolbox, whatever. Um, anything $50 or more, we give you a shout out on Raw. And we would love to get you on our, our patron team, which is something that we can count on each month. Anyway, drop by our website, adventureriderradio.com and click on support. Now, we also do another show called ARR Raw. That is also available anywhere you find podcasts. Look at that um, on our website as well. Drop by our website. Have a look at what we've got there, adventureriderradio.com. Anyway, time to get out there and ride your bike if you can. My name is Jim Martin. Thank you very much for listening and I will talk to you next week. Hi, I'm Chris Birch and you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio.